Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 8. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod, everyone say Herod, in the days of Herod the king, behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And the wise men said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? <laughs> they came to Herod and said to Herod, where's the king of the Jews? <laughs> For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded, he said, Where is this Christ? Where should this Christ be born? They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou not least among the princes of Judah? But out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently. He said, what time did the star appear? You see, he's troubled. He thought he was the king. The wise men come and said, where is the king of the Jews? Where is he, the king? Where is he? Herod thinks, well, I'm the only king around here. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. We know that Herod had no plans to worship Jesus at all. In fact, he had plans to cancel Jesus. He had plans to eliminate Jesus. Because those words when the wise men said, where is the king of the Jews? He's thinking, there's only one king around here. And so I want to take this little bit of time and I'm mindful of your time today. I want to take this little time today to preach this title. They can't cancel the king. <laughs> they can't cancel the king. Herod tried it, but we're still worshiping him today. Amen. They can't cancel the king. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, as we go to your word, Lord Jesus, let it speak to our hearts. Let us as your children shine brightly in this dark world. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbors, you're seated, and say, they can't cancel the king. You know, I, I love, I love Christmas. <laughs> I love Christmas. Today, I'll, uh, our family has a wonderful culture, and it seemed to, uh, uh, tradition, it, it seemed to work across both my wife's family and our family. And so today I'll be with my family and then tomorrow I'll be with Melanie's family. And next year we'll be with Melanie's family on Christmas Day and my family on Boxing Day. But I love Christmas time. I love the fact that the world still stops. I also love the opportunity that is afforded to the church at this time of year as people seem to be a little bit more open to the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. It is well known that Jesus wasn't born on 25 December. We're unsure exactly when Jesus was born. But as your pastor, as pastor of Calvary Chapel, I'm proactive that if the world is going to celebrate the birth of Jesus, then let the church be the, the place where it's done properly. Let the church be the place where Jesus is lifted up. Let the church be a clear sound of what Christmas is all about. Amen? You believe that today. And Christmas... Today is about love and peace and harmony, giving, getting together with family, 
But it may shock you to know that the real original story of Christmas was not like that at all. In fact, the original beginning, Christmas, is actually about conflict. It always has been and always will be. One of the most unexpected passages which people don't like to read at Christmas is in Revelation 12. And we know Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. But this, this portion of scripture in Revelation 12, starting in verse 1, it deals with the subject of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, we have a picture of a woman being pursued by a powerful dragon that seeks her death. And as she is preparing to give birth, the dragon hovers over her, wanting to destroy the baby. That is obviously a picture of what happened that day in that manger as Mary gave birth to the Savior of the world. And the woman is the, a picture of Israel. The child is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the dragon is Satan. And on that day, the day of King Herod, he was the one hovering, trying to destroy the Savior. This was Christmas from a heavenly perspective. This is Christmas in the book of Revelation. That gives you a big picture of what really was happening when God robed himself in flesh and came to earth because the devil wanted to do whatever he could to stop it. The devil wanted to do whatever he could to oppose it. And we still see in this world, maybe now more than ever, we still see hostility towards Christmas and it seems to be escalating a little bit more each year. Hostility against Jesus Christ. Until this year... My children every year would have a Christmas concert at the school. And we had a wonderful principal. His name was Murray Bruce. He was a great man. The McLaughlins know uh, Mr. Bruce as well from Gordon Primary. And we would sing our Christmas carols at the school. And we would sing all of the great ones. Hark the herald angels sing. Silent night. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. But this year, Mr. Bruce is retired. This year... We had a secular Christmas. The kids sang songs like Stay in a Light, Santa getting stuck in the chimney. Nothing about the real meaning of Christmas at all. I thought to myself, I thought, you know, these school teachers, they think they're leading the way. They're trying to cancel the king. More and more nativity scenes have been removed. In fact, Woden Plaza, I think, I don't even think it's there anymore. You couldn't barely find it, but they've been removed and there's no Christmas at the schools. And in a lot of offices, a lot of people in church here have said that Christmas has now become controversial. Somebody chose to deck in our church, chose to decorate their little workspace. And somebody said, we don't do that around here anymore. Atheists are putting billboards up at this time of year to attack the Christian faith. And this is all just symptomatic of the conflict of Christmas. And that's why people don't even want to use the word Christmas anymore. You hear things like happy holidays and yeah, well and good, whatever. But don't cancel the king. Somebody was in a meeting. Someone in our church was in a meeting. They're not here today. They're away on holidays. But they were in a Zoom meeting and it was the last meeting before the Christmas break. And their boss greeted everyone with happy non-denominational holidays. They're trying to cancel the king. 
You see, if Christmas wasn't so commercialized, I was thinking it probably would have already been canceled a long time ago. But Christmas is on the cancel culture list. Traditional tolerance. Everyone say tolerance. Tolerance is not a bad thing, especially when you think about tolerance from a traditional point of view. In fact, Webster's Dictionary defines tolerance as to recognize and respect other people's beliefs and practices without sharing them. And that's a good thing. We can respect other people's beliefs. We can recognize that they may believe something different to us, but we don't have to share them. That's tolerance. Webster's Dictionary says to tolerate is to bear or put up with somebody or something that you may not even like. That's traditional tolerance. And when we read the Bible, that, that idea of traditional tolerance is, is quite it can align with the scriptures because the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 18, if it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We are told in Romans 15 verse 7 that receive you one another as Christ also received us. And the word of God makes it very clear how Christians are to act towards each other, act towards those that are in the faith and those that are outside of the faith. In Galatians 6 verse 10 it says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Everyone say all men. Especially unto those who are of the household of faith. And so this idea of tolerance, the idea of tolerance that I grew up with, is perfectly compatible with the scriptures. In fact, as a Christian, every day I see and hear things that I, li I don't like, and they offend me. But you know what? I tolerate them. I don't go and burn down their signs. I don't go and protest at their front door. I tolerate them. I don't try to get people fired from, from a TV show because they said something that offended me. I tolerate it because that's what tolerance is. And I would expect that they would tolerate me. And, and, and that is one of the beauties about the country that we live in, that we can express our views openly and freely, but maybe even that is coming to an end. You see, today, and I know I've come to this pulpit, and you, maybe you thought, you know, Pastor, can we preach something a little bit more Christmassy or something like that? Well, this is the bottom line. There's a group of people these days who aren't happy for us to tolerate their views anymore. They're not happy with tolerance. They want us to accept them and endorse them, and this is what the new tolerance is. But as Christians, that can't happen. We cannot accept it. We cannot endorse it because we draw the line where the Bible draws the line. And I want to encourage this church as we go into 2023. And who knows what 2023 holds. But let the church be the church. And let the world be the world. Let's draw the line where the Bible draws the line. And let's stand on the word of God. And so conflict. I hope there's no conflict in your house today. Christmas can be a time of family conflict. I pray it doesn't happen. But the battle we see playing out today in the world is nothing new. In fact, it goes right back to the first messianic prophecy in Genesis 3.15 when God said to Satan after he tempted Adam and Eve, he said, there is coming one. It's a prophecy of Jesus. There is coming one, Satan, who will crush your head and you will bruise 
his heel. Because Satan wanted to eliminate and stop Jesus from coming. And, and the prophecy was that there is coming one, Satan. You can do whatever you want, but there is coming one that is going to crush your head and you're going to bruise his heel. And so in the biblical account, we don't like to recognize it because it's not a nice part of it. But there was Herod, one of the worst villains in Scripture. What do we learn about Herod? In fact, if we think about Herod, we could probably see some alignment with what we see today. Herod. We learn that Herod was raised in a very politically well-connected family. Herod, at 25, was named the governor of Galilee. And that was a huge position for such a young man. The Romans were hoping that Herod could control the Jews in the area that he was over. And in 40 BC, the Roman Senate gave Herod the title. The Roman Senate gave Herod the title, the King of the Jews. He was very proud of that. This is a man, Herod, who was addicted to power. But he was also known for his cruelty. He did everything he could to stop Christmas. Anyone perceived as a possible threat was eliminated, quickly eliminated. He would, he would murder to stay in power. Human life was nothing to him. Even Josephus called him Herod the Barbaric. When Jesus was born, we read in our text, Herod, the so-called king of the Jews, was in his last days. And word comes that some foreign dignitaries, the wise men had come to town and they're looking for the king of the Jews. And Herod was troubled. There's only one king of the Jews. There's only enough room for one king. And he did whatever he could to cancel Jesus. The butcher of Bethlehem, they called him, set out to eliminate Jesus. All baby boys living in Bethlehem under the age of two would be put to death. He did everything he could to stop Christmas. With all of his wealth and power, Yes, Herod came to complete ruin. Let me tell you, in the final year of Herod's life, he was riddled with disease, for he reaped what he had sowed. And all those who blaspheme against God, all of those who fight with God, all of those who try to stop the word of God will eventually fail. One day, everybody is going to bow before Jesus Christ. The wise men were followers of the stars, which speaks of the occult. But they met the one who created the stars. And they bowed their knee and they worshipped Jesus. Let me tell you, there's coming a day. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Everybody worships at Christmas. Everybody say everybody. Yeah. Christians worship, atheists worship, skeptics worship. They worship material things and some people worship themselves. A God of their own making they worship. Everybody worships something or someone. But the wise men worshipped Jesus. And so my question today is, what are you worshipping? Is Jesus the Lord of your life. And at Christmas time, I was speaking to someone last night. I said a lot of people worship at the altar of Christmas. There's so much expectation. Christmas Day is going to be this and it's going to be that. And, and 
There's a lot of articles out there that say Christmas Day can be one of the saddest and loneliest days for people. Because there's so much expectation and so much weight put on one day. Let me tell you, if you bow at the altar of Christmas, you'll only be disappointed. Because Christmas cannot deliver on its promises. You see, without Jesus, a Christmas without Jesus is just a well-wrapped emptiness. Jesus must be the center of everything that we do. You see, a Christmas without Jesus is just a well-wrapped emptiness. You see, that's why so many people are disappointed and lonely and depressed at Christmas time. Because they put so much weight on the event and they forget the person, Jesus Christ. They can't cancel the King. The world will do whatever they can to eliminate Christianity, to eliminate prayer, to eliminate the Word of God, to even eliminate this wonderful day we call Christmas. But I want to tell you, they can't cancel Christmas. The multitude may want, may want to do their thing. There may be a multitude of people that, that disagree with us and don't agree with the way we believe. But let me tell you, multitudes are often wrong. And there's only one multitude I'm interested in being part of. And that's the multitude that gather around the throne in heaven. Amen. Revelation 7 verse 9 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues. They stood before the throne, before the Lamb, covered with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. There's one on the throne and his name is Jesus. And I heard as it were a great voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and the voice of many thundering saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I want to tell you, they can't cancel the King. <laughs> they can't cancel the King. Revelation 5 verse 12 says, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Let the world be the world. Let the church be the church. And there is a hit list out there, but they can't cancel the king. You see, Herod couldn't kill him. Satan couldn't seduce him. Death couldn't destroy him. The tomb couldn't keep him. King of kings, the son of God, Lord of lords, the great high priest, the prince of peace, Emmanuel, the word of God. What a name. What's that name? Jesus. Last night we watched the carols and they sang Handel's Messiah. King of kings forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forever. And he shall reign forever and ever. And he shall reign forever and ever. I want to tell you today, they can't cancel the king. We worship Him today. Let's give Him praise in this house. Oh, yes, Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. They can't cancel the King. Hallelujah. We're going to worship Him. 
Amen. You can stand in this place right now. He has always been and always will be. He has no predecessor. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There is nobody before Him and there'll be nobody after Him. I want to tell you, that's my King. He's everything to everybody. And if you don't know Jesus today, let me tell you, He's the answer to everything you're looking for. To the architect, He's the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, He's the bright and morning star to the baker he's the bread of life to the builder he's the sure foundation to the carpenter he's the door to the doctor he's the great physician to the teacher or the educator he's the teacher to the electrician brother Matt he's the light of the world to the farmer Paul he's the sower and the Lord of the harvest to the fireman he's the water of life to the florist he's the rose of Sharon to the geologist, he's the rock of ages. To the historian, he's the ancient of days. To the jeweler, he's the precious cornerstone. To the jury, he's the faithful and true witness. To the laborer, he's the rest. To the lawyer, he's the advocate and the mediator. To the merchant, he's the pearl of great price. To the news reporter, he's good tidings of great joy. To the pharmacist, he's the balm of Gilead and the ointment. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the photographer, he's the express image of God. To the printer, he's the word. To the publisher, he's the author. To royalty, he's king of kings. To the shepherd, he's the lamb of God. To the student, he's the truth. To the theologian, he's the author and the finisher of my faith. I tell you today, do you know Jesus today? They can't cancel the king. And so today, we live in a world which has a very clear agenda. But we, as the church, are called to be the light of the world. And I want to remind you, whatever happens, come hell or high water, they can't cancel the king. For he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And he shall reign forever and ever. They can't cancel the king. Let's lift our hands all across this place today. Hallelujah. They can't cancel the king. They can't cancel the king. Jesus, we give you praise and worship in this house today. Lord Jesus, we choose to lift you up in this house today. For you are king of kings and lord of lords. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just lift our hands. Take a moment right now.